Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I sit down with NFL Network's Colleen Wolf. Colleen talks to us about balancing her week with all her various responsibilities. She gives us some great reporting tips and talks about the hard work that got us to where she is today. She also talks about a book that every woman should read, and it's a good one. So we are sponsored today by Harry's Razors. And with that, let's get to it, Fangirl Nation. Colleen, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Yes, thanks so much for having me on, Tracy. Absolutely. Uh, Colleen and I got to meet after a Thursday night football game about a month or so ago. And I was like, you've got to be on. And luckily she was kind enough to say, I'd love to be. So here we are. So there's your backstory, guys. You're welcome. (laughs) The stars, they have aligned. The stars have aligned. Uh, So let's jump right in. Colleen, you do an incredible job on the NFL Network. Love watching you all the time. And of course, on Thursdays for Thursday Night Football, I would like to start by knowing, when did you know you wanted to be a sports reporter? Oh, my gosh. Well, this was never the plan, ever. I really, I wanted to go into art, or there was a point where I was thinking about forensic science. And oh, wow. it, I, was, I was, like, a little all over the place. But um, art was, like, my main focus. And I really didn't realize that I wanted to do this until – I took an internship in college and I was like, oh, well, a radio station, you know, that sounds like a perfect job as a college student. It sounds super fun. Like, let me see what that's all about. And from the second I opened the door and walked in there, I just knew it. It was like all of the light bulbs went off and I could not believe that this was a job that was actually an option in life. It it just looked like so much fun. Everybody was just messing with each other and arguing about ridiculous things and it was like yes uh, this is this is what I want to do and so then it kind of became a challenge in and of itself because I was into sports but I wasn't like super super into all the nuances of all of it and so I was kind of like all right here's a challenge let's see if I can do it let's see if I can figure this out teach myself what I need to learn and then just kind of compete in this other arena and well, you've you've done a really good job. May I first though ask what kind of art? Uh, so I wanted to do. I mean, I know this is like I wanted to do illustration. It depended on like where I was going to go to school. So there were a couple schools that were big with graphic design, and then a couple other ones where I was leaning towards illustration. Um, and then I was also thinking about going to Arizona State and just being an art teacher. Like art was everything to me and so I was like let's do that and then completely made a left turn do you still draw I sometimes do I I don't get a like a lot of time to do it in the off season I will so I have like a sketchbook that I'll do stuff every once in a while like if I go on vacation or if I'm on a long flight and I don't have any actual work to do but I haven't really done anything significant in a while and I think I've been thinking about it this summer. I want to, I want to actually do a project and like finish it. Oh, nice. All right. Well, we will, we'll look forward to hearing about that on get my job part two. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What that project is. So you're interning at the radio station. You decide you want to do that. You want to, you want to be in sports. So what was your next step towards getting there? So I did my internship at the sports radio station and then I went to Drexel and at Drexel it's you work for six months and then you go to school for six months. So I did two other internships. So three total at the radio station. And then I was working with the morning show. So I was done at like 11 o'clock in the morning and sort of felt guilty about it because all of my other friends were either in school at class or on their regular internships doing their nine to five sort of gigs. So I decided my second go around that I was going to do a double internship. So I did a, I worked at the radio station, the morning show, and then I'd be done at 11 and I'd go back to like to school and sleep for an hour. And then I would work on a 
it was like a local cable access television show. And I was uh, an, an intern for them and then an associate producer for them for a while. And it was news and politics. And from there, I kind of just kept convincing people to give me a job. And usually I had no business doing whatever I was doing. And I just had to figure it out on the fly. So I did, I made the jump from the news and politics TV show to a booking producer at um, Comcast Sportsnet in Philly. And that's where I like really was able to network and meet a ton of people and really see how everything was kind of done and made. So having done various jobs behind the camera and then of course now being in front of the camera, how have these different experiences helped to shape you as a reporter? And if you were giving advice to someone starting in this industry, how important is it, do you believe, for them to be able to do all facets of the job? I think that's crucial, to be honest. I think it really makes a huge difference because when I was in it, I didn't necessarily have the same opinion. And a lot of times I thought, you know, I was doing, I was hired to do one job and then I was actually doing the job of like seven other people and so I was like this is unfair blah 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 like it's it's really hard to do all of those things too and to learn on the fly and then make it all work but ultimately that's what ended up kind of like helping me and really I think that's what ended up getting me to where I am right now because I know how to do all of like the little things. I was an editor. I built graphics. I would stack my own shows and my rundowns. I would log all my games and do all of those little things. I was a line producer, like, and I would build cameras. (laughs) So just knowing all of the little things that everybody has to go through in their specific jobs, I think that makes it so important because you then in turn know what everybody else is going through and how much is on everybody else's plates. And what is doable, what's feasible in certain situations. So I know I can't come into a show five minutes before we go on air and say, hey, I want to do this instead. Can't we just blow it up? I don't understand why we can't. So mm-hmm. I know kind of if I have an idea how much, how much of an undertaking it will be. And I think that in turn really helps my relationships with everybody I work with behind the scenes too. I would imagine for sure. Yeah. Right. So when, when did the first on-camera break come? Um, so I did, when I was hired at the radio station, um, just to be an intern, they would send me out to do little ridiculous things and call back and report, and, and I really enjoyed doing it. And then I started little by little getting opportunities doing stuff digitally. And so places would be like, oh, it's just, you know, the internet. (laughs) Nobody cares about the internet. Nobody's (laughs) on the internet. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, no, that's totally true. I should do X, Y, and Z for the internet. And so they would let me do all sorts of stuff Um, at Comcast Sportsnet. I did some things here and there. And then I would, I think my first thing that I ever did on television specifically was like a crowd reporter, I think, for, um, I think it was a uh, an Eagles game. It was an Eagles game that I did in Philly, and I went to a bar and got like man-on-the-street reaction. And so it was just like, hey, what would you think of the Eagles win? And so <laughs> then I kind of had a reel of just me talking to a bunch of drunk fans and was like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> so I, I finally... I left the job as a booking producer at Comcast Sportsnet because I felt like I was just sort of pigeonholed there Mm -hmm. and that they didn't really look at me as anything other than a booking producer. And so I kind of had to make the jump, but I really didn't want to leave and go to a small market. So I felt like I had so many connections in Philadelphia that I could try and make it work. And so I left and went to a really small production company um, that was outside of the city. And I started doing, they produced a bunch of sports shows for one of the local um, stations who just like had everything done at a house. And so I did Phillies and Eagles pre and post game shows. And that was still like a lot of like reading message board comments and stuff like that. Um, and then I made the jump and started working at Fox 29 in Philly. So they hired me as a sports producer, but they were like, there's going to be 
plenty of opportunities to report. And then ultimately I ended up being their nights and weekend anchor. And I would do human interest stories, but I would also produce everything myself. And so that's actually where like all of the behind the scenes stuff really came in to help me because that's where I did so much of it. And that's honestly, that was the best learning experience I could have ever had. And I had such a great boss and he taught me how to like the, one of the most important things he ever told me. And I, I use it to this day is write how you speak. So if you're writing a package um, or writing a story or doing a voiceover or anything, just write it how you would tell one of your best friends or, you know, somebody that you work with, one of your colleagues, like don't, don't use words you don't normally use. So it kind of like drives me crazy when people mm-hmm. say, Oh, like the signal caller did X, Y, and Z, or like he inked a deal because you never say those things in real life. And so I think that ultimately makes you more relatable if you write and talk how you would normally speak. That's really, that's really good advice. It's, it's funny too. I find myself a lot in stories referring to QB1 or the, and sometimes I'm right. like, oh, does that make not, not make sense? Like, but that's how I talk. That's what I would say. Right. So exactly. Yeah. And, and it's hard too, a lot of times to like break the habit of doing it because at first I was like, well, like, what do you mean? This sounds, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound good. I feel like I'm using the same words over and over again. Um, I, I think it, I think it ultimately makes it easier when you're on camera because especially if you're writing your own stuff, it makes it a lot easier to read it and be more conversational if it's just like, just kind of easy, easy stuff. And I feel like I I do that all the time because I don't really use a prompter that much. I kind of put a couple things in a prompter just so I can have it. And then I would much rather ad lib off of that. Well, I think that's where you get the best stuff, really. Right. If you, if you can do that, I think that is where the nuggets, if you will, tend to come into play. Uh, so yeah. before yeah. before we get into how you ended up at the NFL Network and doing what you're doing today, I was going to ask you, and maybe it is right what you speak, um, but if you could give one piece of advice to listeners who are starting a career in sports journalism, what would it be maybe in addition to write how you speak? Well, I think that, and then also I think – internships are so important. So I would, I feel like even if it's unpaid, which all of mine were, I ended up getting so much experience and meeting so many people. And a lot of times that's what it really is all about. It's not necessarily the stuff that you're physically doing when you're at an internship, because a lot of times it's, you know, you're, you're grabbing coffee for somebody or you're logging games or you're doing things that, sometimes feel tedious, but it's more about the relationships that you build because it's such a small industry that you end up working and meeting the same people over and over again throughout your career. So those relationships are ones that you really need to foster and and keep in touch with people because a lot of times things break. And, And I always think too, being patient is so important because I am not good at it. (laughs) I am like (laughs) the most impatient person in the world. So for me, that was the hardest thing that I had to do through everything was be patient and wait for something to break. And every time I kind of got to the point where I felt like I couldn't do it anymore and that I wasn't going anywhere, something would happen and something would change and something would go right. So it's kind of just like sticking it out and working really hard and hopefully somebody will notice. So when did the call come from the NFL network? How did that come about? So I actually was going to quit TV and I, I was at a place at the beginning of the year. It was like a couple days after new year's. I was kind of fed up with where I was and I felt like I just wasn't moving in any general direction. I was just kind of stuck. So I told myself if I wasn't somewhere that I wanted to be or somewhere new or somewhere different by December 31st of that year, then I had to move on and do something else. So I started to like kind of go into my succession plan. And I started a business with one of the photographers I worked with at Fox 29, this guy, Bill Rohr, who's amazingly talented. 
And so we started shooting weddings for people and doing like really fun little wedding videos. And we did like five weddings. And I bought a house with my husband, our first house in Philly, and was kind of like, okay, well, this is probably going to be the direction we're going in. So like, let's put some roots down and just like chill here in Philly. And that was in April that we bought the house. And by May, NFL called and they wanted me to come out and audition for this new thing that they were starting out. It was a digital opportunity, but it was called NFL now. And it was supposed to be like on-demand content for whatever teams or players that you were a fan of. So I was like, you, you want to fly me out to LA to audition for NFL network? Um, yes, sure. Sign me up. I had never been to LA before either. So I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to California. And I ended up doing the audition and right after I finished, I texted my husband and I was like, well, I bombed that. Like, let's go to the beach and just make the most of this. <laughs> and I ended up getting the job and it was, it was only a one-year contract that I signed. So that's like a real flyer. And my husband at the time was, he's also in sports media. And so he had a show in Philly and it was just kind of really a roll of the dice to have him, both of us kind of get up and move out to Cali on a one-year deal. Like, I didn't know if I was going to like NFL. I didn't know if they were going to like me. I didn't know what the situation was going to be. And so my husband and I were bi-coastal for the first two years that I worked at NFL. And obviously it ended up working out with uh, everything in general. My husband moved out here and now I've been, this is my sixth season with the NFL and I can't even believe it. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that really, I mean, that really is. Amazing. Yeah. Looking for a great gift for someone in your life? Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. Listeners on this show can get $5 off any Harry shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. It's a great deal for you and for him. Holiday sets start at just $20. That's within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your guy will save money over time. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box, and your gift gives back. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle with an option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, all packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire. So you have various responsibilities at the NFL Network. There's, you know, Good Morning Football. There's Thursday Night Football. How how do you balance out your week? I mean, it's a two-part question because I'm going to ask, how do you balance out your week? And then I'd love for you to take us through a day in the life um, on a, on a normal day. And then of course on a Thursday. Okay. Um, balance man. I was like, I have no idea. It is during the season. It, I just usually feel like a tornado that is just kind of blowing through whatever, whatever city I'm in, whatever state I'm in. And I kind of, it, it's just like treading water. So you kind of just have to keeping up with like the news cycle and everything. And the time zones are really a killer because doing three different shows in a lot of times, three different time zones, but always three different cities because I'm in LA on Mondays, wherever Thursday night football is. And then my Saturday show is in New Jersey on the East coast. So I do a lot of my work on airplanes and in airports and in cars and I really love my um, mobile Wi-Fi, my MiFi. <laughs> it's like my <laughs> lifesaver. <laughs> um, but it's, you know what? I, I think that the hardest thing about 
the schedule and the season for me is just time management and prioritizing what needs to be done, what can wait, what I have to like be on top of in that very moment. And I'm a perfectionist and I'm an over-preparer. So it was really hard for me to kind of grasp with the fact that I wasn't going to be able to prepare the way that I wanted to prepare for every single show. And that at some point I was going to have to go to bed. And at some point, like, I can't just have two hours of sleep. And, you know, at some point you just have to go with whatever you have and then see what happens. And so that was something that was really eye-opening for me because it's something that I don't necessarily feel that comfortable with because I really love to like dive into different rabbit holes and, and I enjoy that part of the job and I enjoy researching for shows. And so just kind of letting, letting off of that and not having that amount of control for myself was, was something that was difficult, but it was also a learning experience. And so the season for me, it gets easier as the season goes on because, you know, I don't have, I only have two more Thursday night footballs. I only have three more Monday shows and then things kind of like slow down, even though they get more intense with the playoffs. So that's kind of one of the nice things about how the season starts, because I think if it was in reverse, that would be really difficult. Yes. I think that's true. That that makes sense. (laughs) So, so if we're um, doing a day in the life, I guess we should do a Monday, a Thursday, and a Saturday. Is that is that too much day in the life? No. <laughs> um, right, because like my day off uh, is basically Tuesday and Sunday, and I'm just like on Sundays, I'm just fused to the couch watching every game, <laughs> trying to like stay awake, and then uh, Tuesdays I'm just like running around. But for a day in the life, let's see. Uh, so on Mondays. Um, I, it's my only day that I go into the LA studio. So I usually have a lot of meetings on those days. This is the only time that I get to see a lot of uh, the people that I end up working with. So I go in on Mondays and I usually have a meeting. I usually go in around like two 30. I'll try and like work out or whatever before and prep for the Monday show. And then I'll go in at two 30 and have a mini meeting for my Thursday night show. And then I'll usually do some type of wardrobe fitting or just like going in and grabbing if there's like a jacket that I can wear for Thursday night, if there's anything available, I'll raid the closet in there. <laughs> and then I will go and get my hair and makeup done. Uh, and then I'll have a production meeting at about 4.30 for the Monday show. And by the time that's finished, then it's usually the game is already kicking off. So we'll watch the game. Um, and then we usually, the way that the show is set up, we usually don't get to see the end of the game because no matter what, we go on the air at 8.15 Pacific. And so a lot of times the game is still going on, but we're doing the post-game show for it. So we're sort of watching out of the corner of our eyes Mm -hmm. and also talking at the same time and trying to like do, do a live program. And so that's pretty difficult to do. Um, But then once the game goes final, then we kind of, um, we end up doing like 45 minutes of a fill until nine o'clock Pacific. And then we do our show of record from nine to 10. So that's usually um, how we do Mondays. And then Thursday is like a whole different beat. That is like, I, I fly in to whatever the city is for Thursday night on Wednesday. And then we usually start off, I usually try and get up depending on what time zone we're in. I try and get up around like 6 or 7 a.m. to finish up my notes and kind of go through scripts and tweak things and write different things in there. And then we have our production meeting. So we'll have uh, Joe Thomas and Michael Irvin and Steve Smith. And then all of our producers on the show uh, will meet up around 10 a.m. for it. And there's always some breakfast. And we'll talk through all of the elements in the show, all of the different chats that we want to do. We'll tweak things if we think that there's a better way of angling things or if someone said something that's super interesting. All right, well, let's get that in the show. How do we work that in? What do we need to rearrange? Um, And then I usually after that head right to the stadium 
and I'll do um, some hair and makeup there. And then I go to the truck to our production truck to rehearse and go through any elements that we have, like our graphics and VOs and sound bites, just so I know what I'm throwing to and what the video is that I'm talking over to make sure things kind of match and make sense. And then we're out on the set. And I love, I love, love, love when our set is in the middle of like the tailgates for fun parking lots. So if we're in the Mm -hmm. Muni lot for the Browns or, you know, if we're in the middle of it in Green Bay, that is my favorite thing to do because sometimes they'll have us off to the side and we don't really get to be immersed in the whole, all the shenanigans, (laughs) but that's the best part of a tailgate. And I feel like that's the best part of a pregame show when you're on location is to really get the flavor of the city and the fans and to meet people and talk to people and see all of their crazy setups because everybody is ridiculously creative. And that's part of the fun of especially having a primetime game and having us be able to be there and see it all. So I love doing that. Um, And then it also depends too on whether or not our game is an exclusive for NFL network, because those games, we do a longer pregame show and a longer postgame show, and then we also go on at halftime. So it, there's kind of like a lot to juggle with that, but it's always fun to be on the field for our postgame show and see like what, what player we're going to be able to talk to and, and who's walk, walking over to the set and who's going to mess with them and the way that the crowd always reacts to them. It's so cool to be there for. So before you go into your day in the life for Saturday, I'd love to hear, do you have any great shenanigan stories from a pregame show being in the middle of a tailgate? Is is there one that jumps out at you, whether it was a fan being crazy or super enthusiastic or just the creativity of a tailgate that you saw that you just can't forget? Um, I know. Well, the Browns, uh, the Browns game this year was awesome just because they, they're so fun. And we were obviously with, Joe Thomas and they love Joe. So the whole entire pregame show, they were just chanting Joe's name and we have noise canceling IFDs in our ear. So we don't necessarily always hear what people are screaming and yelling about, but in Cleveland, Oh, we heard it all. (laughs) (laughs) Those noise canceling buds were not canceling anything. So that was an awesome one. And then I found it kind of hilarious in green Bay when the Packers were playing the Eagles, that multiple times there were Dallas sucks chants that broke out at, at Irv. And like, just, you know, in the middle of Green Bay, where it's like the nicest people in the world, right. everyone was still heckling Irv. So that, um, that was hilarious. But I've met some really amazing fans. There was a guy last week in, or two weeks ago in Houston, who I tweeted out this picture. He had these amazing Houston Texans contacts in and it said like it had their logo and their name like right on his eye (laughs) like really really cool so that I'm kind of interested in just I didn't know that that was a thing had yeah so I'm learning something new every week that's awesome that sounds so uncomfortable to have that in your eye but good for him that sounds right amazing that is some serious creativity and passion for his team. I know. And like, and people will bring us like people brought us cheese curds in um, green Bay. We've gotten amazing barbecue when we were in Kansas city. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to eat this food from a complete stranger. And I'm going to do everything that my parents told me to not do right here, (laughs) right now. Well, they didn't mean when you were on set at the NFL network, they meant (laughs) like on Halloween and stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I think that works. Um, all right, so we want your last yeah. day in the life, your Saturday show. So I assume after Thursday Night Football, do you just fly straight to New Jersey? So we usually don't get done until late with the, right, the next show. Day. So, yeah, so the next day I usually fly out, and I always feel like a shell of a person on the flight. <laughs> and I get to – by the time I get to Philly, it's usually rush hour when I land. And so, like, we sit in a bunch of traffic, and then I finally check in, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got I to gotta do a three-hour show tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I kind of cram and um, study and do all my stuff for that. And I usually wake up 
um, pretty early on Saturday morning because I never finish all the stuff that I want to finish um, Friday night. So I'll wake up usually like um, 4.30 or 5 for that just to go through some more of the show and some more of the things that like I wanted to prep for. And then we usually get, I usually head over to the studio around 6.30 in the morning and we have a little production meeting before the show, but more so we kind of just sit around and chop it up. So we'll just like everybody like sits and has like donuts and coffee and just chats about their week um, and messes with each other. And then we're usually on set and ready to go. And that show is so much fun because the studio is absolutely gorgeous at NFL films. I love it. And the people that I do the show with are like family. And that's the case with so many of the shows I do, but really for that one, because I've been doing that show the longest out of any of the shows I do. And so it's with Mike Garofolo and Michael Robinson. And now this year we have D'Angelo Hall and Sean O'Hara, D'Angelo Hall is usually always on, and then Sean O'Hara has been kind of um, mixing in with us because Mike Robb has been calling some games, some Conference USA games. So we have, like, a really solid group of awesome people. Everybody's really, really cool. And I don't think that that is the norm, that you get along really, really well with everybody. I mean, I, I would say I'm – I'm friends with all of the guys I work with, which I'm so thankful for because I've worked, I, I've worked at places before where I've seen people work together and they don't get along or they don't really like each other. And then they have to fake it on camera. And it's so uncomfortable. It's so much easier when you get along with people. And it's nice because none of the guys I work with are sensitive. And so we can all mess with each other without anybody being upset or, you know, like whatever, being weird after the show. So it's great. We all kind of just give it right back to each other. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's fun. It's great. And like the Thursday crew is, is they're all maniacs. And so <laughs> it's just like every show I do has a different vibe, but it's all with such great, talented, really cool people. That definitely makes a big difference. Yeah, 100%. Key to having fun, especially with your schedule to, you know, to it makes it easy to keep going, I would imagine, because you Yeah, know, for you sure. Know, dread who you're going to be with every day. Yeah, there I that would meet that would make it so miserable. The fact that look, if I'm tired or or you know, my flight was delayed or canceled and you know, I I've, I've run into a bunch of situations like that, but when I get to the studio and, you know, I can laugh with the people I work with, then that makes it all better. So switching gears a little bit, um, I want to talk about just some learning experiences you've had along the way that might be uh, and, and one of the ones I like to start with is a criticism, criticism that you received early in your career that, though while very tough to take, has helped to shape you as a reporter. Um, I think that early on when I was trying to convince people to um, give me a, a just a, a role on camera, I had a boss tell me that I wasn't memorable enough <laughs> to be on camera. And that was like probably the meanest thing that anybody has ever said to me. I was like, well, it's just very specific, <laughs> super specific. Right. And that, that really that sat with me because it was something different. It was different than the other criticism that I had ever received before. And it made me realize that all of this is so subjective and you will never, not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody is going to hate you, but you, you really can't base your career or your goals on anybody else's opinion of you. And so when your boss said that, was your response just like, okay, thank you, and then you move on, or was it hard to <laughs> I think my that? face, like, I think my face got that, like, white hot feeling when mm -hmm. you feel like you're either going to start, like, screaming or you're going to pass out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I really, I think I blacked out when he said that. I, it was during a review. And I thought that I was going to get a great review. And it was the complete opposite. And I remember just like going back to my desk and being like, what the hell am I doing with my life right now? 
Well, that, that's understandable. That's really a terrible thing. I bet that that boss is um, particularly feels particularly silly on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, if not every other day of the week. But in fact, you're so memorable, they've decided to put you on the air. They've been three shows. That's how memorable you are. Like, I hope he remembers so, that. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I realized that everybody everybody's going to have their own opinion about things. And there is, especially in our business, there is so much turnover in the people that, a lot of times, the people that make the decisions. I mean, before I got to NFL, the places that I worked, there were just new program directors and new bosses all the time. And so you just never know who you're going to be paired with. And a lot of it is luck and really good timing. That makes sense. So, so as you yeah. look at uh, women coming into the industry today, um, and this could be true actually of women or men, is there a general, I use the word mistake, and I, I wish I could come up with a better word, maybe misstep that you're seeing people make that you would advise against or that you wish they would not make? I think a lot of times um, people do go into sports um, maybe for the wrong reasons. So mm -hmm. I always, whenever people ask me for advice, I always tell them to go into it for the right reasons, to make sure that you're doing it because you love, this is what you love to do. This is what you want to do with your life. You love sports. You love to tell stories. You love to like cover the game. Do it for that. Don't do it because you think it's going to make you rich or famous because a lot of times that will never, ever happen. And even if it does for a moment, it's very fleeting. And so you have to be able to, to love this. And, and do it for those reasons, because otherwise you're, you're in it for the wrong ones. And I think there's this prevailing feeling that it's all just fun and glamour. And of course it's fun. You love what you do, but you know, listen to your schedule, a lot of flights, a lot of flight delays, a lot of traffic, getting up at four 30 on Saturday morning to make sure you go through your script. That's, that's work. That's not glamorous. It's work. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> right. I, yeah. People, people do really think it's super glamorous and like, while while Thursdays, it, it really is like it's it is a production, and that is part of the fun. But a lot of times, it is crazy the stuff that we're doing, like running onto the set, like just. I remember even <laughs> we did this crazy. We dressed up for Halloween for one of the Thursday shows, and they had me. I was joking around a couple weeks before, and they were like, "What are you going to be, Colleen?" And I was like, "I don't know. I guess I could be a wolf in sheep's clothing." And they huh. ran with it and got me, like, the dumpiest sheep costume ever. Like, had, like, this crazy drop crotch on it. Like, it was so awful. And I was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And, like, right before the show, I was like, we were in the desert. We were in Arizona. It was so hot. And I was in this giant, like, wool, long sleeve costume. And I'm like, does anybody have scissors? Like, and so we're coming on the air and, like, Right before we get on the air, basically, I'm cutting off the sleeves of the sheep costume. And, I mean, we are constantly, the stuff that we do behind the scenes to make it work is a lot of times more entertaining than the actual show that we do because it's really crazy. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really funny. And also wolf in sheep's yeah. clothing. What a fantastically brilliant Halloween costume. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, I'm really, I'm really into that. I hope that you do that for multiple years because that's so good. Yeah. There's, there's so many I can do like hungry, like the wolf, there's oh, wolf of wall yeah. street. Yeah. Oh, so many good ones. Oh, you're Halloween. Right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, what has been, um, what has been one of the most rewarding stories that you've reported on? Um, I think, God, there's been, there's been so many. And I think for me, because I don't get a chance to do a ton of feature stories anymore mm -hmm. since I'm more posting, but there were, there were some stories that I did when I was in Philly. Um, and I always, whenever I, met kids who were like huge fans but they you know they were sick I've stayed in contact with um, a couple families that I worked on stories with and 
it's just, it's one of those things where it was hard to do those stories, but to be able to stay in contact with some of them is like, it really fills my heart. It's really a nice thing. And just to build relationships in general. And a lot of times the stories that we do bring us to people that we would normally not meet. And that is so important and so powerful to be able to hear people's stories and then help tell them and give them a platform and a voice to be heard. And for me, that is enough. That's, that's so rewarding to have that. Do you ever miss that part of the job? That's something that I really loved to do when I was in Philly. I loved feature stories and I loved doing anything that was human interest related because a lot of times, you know, we're talking about games and specific matchups and the human element of it and is, is one that it, we don't get a chance a lot of times to go through. And so that's why when I go down these rabbit holes of different matchups and stuff, I love, I love different backstories. I love to hear, you know, what happened during the week or what the history is between these two players and try and connect those dots because I think that's what people end up remembering. Remembering, You can watch a game and it's entertaining and the outcome, it's usually interesting. But when you know about the people that are playing the game and you know things that they have gone through or things that they've overcome or you know, reasons that they are connected to certain people on their team or the opposing team, that makes it infinitely more compelling. Agree. And that, that's one of the things we try to do at Fangirl is really tell those stories behind the stories. And I, I do think that stuff stays with people. So, and, yeah. and it also, it helps, I think it also helps help fans root. You know, there are times if I'm watching a game and it doesn't really matter to me which team wins, but I happen to know the backstory of a player on the team, and then I'm rooting for him, and I'm rooting for the right. team. Rooting for her. And I think Oops, those are sorry, the... you can probably hear my dog barking. My fault. That's that. Oh, this we are a very <laughs> dog-friendly podcast at Get My Job, and very dog-friendly at the Fangirl Sports Network. So don't you worry about that. We are all in on dogs barking. Okay. <laughs> we love right. dogs here. I would I would have a podcast where I would just talk to dogs if it weren't for the fact that it Oh would my be god. I will, I will be on it with you. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> just sit there and talk to dogs all hour. It'd be great. Um so actually speaking a little bit of the story behind the story and now we know you love dogs so there's a fun fact. Before we move into five fun facts, I have one more question for you and then we're going to go into those five fun facts about Colleen Wolf. Um, but my last question is, how have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in sports, and how do you think we can still improve? I think that now there's definitely at least more women in sports, so there's a little bit better representation than there was before. And I think the role a lot of times is changing too, whereas there would be the only position for a woman on sports programming would just be the host and it would just be serve this up and then get out of the way and mm -hmm. make sure you wear like a tight dress. And so it's like, I think we're seeing that change and we're seeing more situations where women ha are able to have the platform to be analysts and they have more time to give their opinion instead of just like serving up a question and letting the guys answer. So that I think is a huge deal, but also I think that there aren't enough shows where there's multiple women on a show. I think that ESPN does a good job and they have a few shows like that, but what I would like to see is more women on shows in general together, because I know all of the women that I work with, we all get along really well. We're always like, oh, I just wish like, you know, we could actually work together. Because the only time we get to see each other is if we're at a game or, you know, if we're at a temple event. And I think that's true for, for a lot of places. And it's obviously not just where I am. It's, it's everywhere. And I think that it's slowly getting better and better and more and more opportunities are coming about for women. And the more opportunities there are, it kind of like one begets the other. Then there will be more. And I think a lot of times people don't, don't realize what is good programming and like a good entertaining show until they see it. And so there, there's a lot of stuff out there that's kind of copycat. 
and this is the formula and this is what's been working. And so we're just going to keep doing it this way. But I think we're getting better and better at breaking the mold and trying new things. Like even with good morning football that we have now, it's a more relaxed kind of show. And it's nice to see that because it's relatable. I think a lot of times when if shows, are too stuffy, then it's not like inviting, I don't think. And I get, I, I love dressing up for Thursday nights because that is like an event. That's a thing. But I love now that we're having different shows with sort of different personalities and vibes to them. So you can do a fun, big kind of showcase show and like also have an amazing show that is more laid back. And it's like, you're just hanging out with a bunch of your friends. Yes. I would agree. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. I think that would be a very uh, fun thing to see on the air. So I am, I'm a big proponent of that one. Uh, so yeah. now it is time, <laughs> speaking of fun, <laughs> it is now time for five fun facts. Um, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What is your favorite moment in sports? Oh, all right. Well, there's a lot of, I get a lot of heat for being a major homer since I'm from okay. Philly, but being at the Super Bowl for the Eagles to beat the Patriots and then be able to go down on the field and get the confetti and bring it home to my parents and my family, that was awesome. And for the Eagles to do it with Nick Foles against the Patriots was a bonus. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that was a pretty epic football game. That is yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your life motto? My life motto, keep it moving. You can't dwell too much on anything, whether it's good or bad, because if it's, if it's bad, if it's something negative that happened, if it's a mistake that you made, it's not going to do you any good dwelling on it. You got you to gotta move on and see what else is next. And if it's something good, I think enjoy it, but you can't get complacent either. I like that. Go to workout. I hate working out. <laughs> um, well, that, I, that your go-to like workout any, could be not to work out. That's fine. <laughs> my go-to workout is anything that doesn't involve cardio. Like, listen, I have asthma, so I turn, like, various shades of purple and blue whenever I, like, really work out. And during the season, I try and work out as much as I can because I'm on the road and I'm eating crap and I'm not sleeping and like my schedule is all thrown off. But working out is not something that I really take joy in. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a labor of love, I guess. I don't know. Well, MJ Acosta, who I know you are a colleague of and, and are good friends with, and I both love Bar Method. And I feel like you would love Bar Method because it's not cardio. Oh, yes. I think you'd be into that. Yes. I used to do bar a lot. I haven't done it um, in a, I haven't actually done it since the summer, but when in the off season, I try and go at least twice a week because I like that it um, involves a lot of stretching too. Mm -hmm. And I like that after you do like one kind of muscle group, then you stretch it out. And I used to be a figure skater, so mm. I don't get to do a lot of that anymore. And it's, it's nice. It feels, it feels good to kind of like get my flexibility back. And these are not five fun facts about me, but for me on travel days, when I'm coming back from a game, it's my go-to workout that day. Cause like before that reason, you get the stretch, you get the workout. And I'm mm -hmm. like, this I can do after a plane flight. I can't go run on a treadmill for 45 minutes, but this I can do. No. Um, yeah. So. That's, but I did start doing yoga and I want to try to get into hot yoga, but I just haven't oh. been able to do it yet. Like it's, <laughs> I did it one time and I thought that I was dying. Like I really, I, I got really claustrophobic and thought I was suffocating and had to leave. So I think it's something I just got to like build up to. Yes. I love hot yoga and hot Pilates. So we can talk offline. Really? Because we're both LA based. Okay. So maybe we could find a hot yoga, or hot Pilates to go to. I think you'd like it. I really do. <laughs> All right. I'm in. That's great. Okay. Perfect. Um, go to coffee order. Oh, so. I have two. I either do a flat white, which I don't even really know what it is, but it's really good. And also I'll do a skinny vanilla latte with an extra shot of espresso. Yum. That sounds great. Yeah. I kind of want one right now. Uh, you know what? I think you can have one right now. You have, you know, I got, I got, <laughs> I got this, um, 
I got this like automatic latte machine uh, at my house and it makes lattes and like espresso and stuff like that and cappuccinos. And it was the best investment I've ever made. I bake so many and I'm caffeinated on such a high level so many days a week. Oh, that sounds fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It's like a Mr. Coffee one. It's not like anything super fancy schmancy, but it is so worth it. Oh, I love that. That sounds amazing. I'm going to look into that next too. Uh, And last but not least, a book every woman should read. You know, I just read, um, I was a little late to the party because I don't get a chance to read a ton of books during the season. So it's like a lot of my off season. Um, But Katie Purr's Unbelievable was really good and I thought really interesting. Um, She's on MSNBC and it was all about her covering the Trump campaign in 2016 she was I think she was a a lifestyle reporter before she was living over in Europe and came back and just got thrown into it and it's really interesting all of the behind the scenes BS she had to go through and just kind of living you kind of like live it with her and her schedule and just the grind and how insane everything was going on with her and the campaign and everything it's a really good read i'd highly recommend it all right fantastic thank you very much and thank you very much for being on get my job today colleen this was really fun oh my god of course thank you so much for having me on it was so nice to meet you and now it's so nice to do this Thank you so much. It sure was. And uh, I will talk to you soon and we will make a date for hot yoga or hot Pilates. Yes, we're going to yoga soon, girl. All right. Awesome. Have a great day, Colleen. Thank you again. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.